You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Back with you for another episode tonight, our third show, I think, in the last week. Been pumping out the hashtag content uh, with the trade deadline. Had to sneak that extra show in here. And then we wanted to, uh, just given some scheduling conflicts we have the rest of this week, uh, wanted to try to jump on tonight, talk about this winning streak, talk about our first impressions of the trade deadline acquisitions, with Zeke, which Zeke and I broke down um, on our emergency pod on Friday. So if you're still interested, feel free to go back and listen to that. But we have a lot of stuff to get to tonight. It's almost 10 o'clock here on Wednesday night following a big Minnesota Wild win over the Jets. So we'll talk about all that stuff. But as we always do, got to check in with everyone. Justin, how's it going tonight, my friend? <clears throat> going good. It's uh, had the day off and spent most of the day watching the high school tournament. Uh, I think after this week, uh, I'm going to be hockeyed out if there is such a thing between <laughs> between the Wild, the high school tournament, and then my kids' jamboree this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be uh, all hockey all week. So uh, pretty excited about it, though. Definitely. And Zeke, what about you? Yeah, no, pretty much. I mean, same as everyone else. It took the next uh, three days off from work, so I'll be down there at least the next two days, you know, watching hockey. Eating, you know, probably three too many bags of mini donuts and having a good time. So uh, it'll be fun, and uh, you know, it's good. Wild got a win tonight uh, to get into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely good. You know, now what is that? Uh, Eleven game point streak, I believe. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, what is that? Where? Nine zero and two. Yeah, nine zero and two. In that stretch, pretty, pretty good, I believe, as of this moment uh, here on Wednesday night at approximately 10 p.m. I believe they are now tied for first place in the Central Division with the Dallas Stars, who do have a game in hand over Mm -hmm. the Wild and play the Buffalo Sabres, who are battling for a playoff spot tomorrow. So uh, we are all Sabres fans tomorrow for sure. (laughs) Um, The Wild now... Uh, five points clear. The Avalanche, who have three games in hand, um, are not playing tonight, I don't think. Nope. No. Um, and now, uh, you know, that game gets them six games or six points ahead of the Winnipeg Jets, um, 10 points ahead of the Flames, and three points ahead of the Oilers, all who have the same 65 games. So have comfortably moved themselves into seemingly a playoff spot. You know, obviously nothing's clinched, anything can happen. Um, but sitting in a pretty good spot right now. Um, before we get to the team, got to jump into the prospects, then we'll circle back on the big club. So, Justin, we'll hand it over to you to talk about the prospects. Sounds good. I think we'll start with the entry-level contrast. Can't remember which one, um, which ones I've brought up in past shows, but David Spacek is the most recent one to sign his three-year entry-level contract. We've also had Hunter Hayton, Caden Bankier sign uh, recently too. So, love to see these guys getting signed and uh, – you know, locked in with their entry level entry level deals. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, hopefully, there's a couple more to come. <clears throat> I think there will be, but uh, I love seeing the the guys we recently drafted getting signed here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of Hunter Hate, he was our prospect of the week on the prospects page. Uh, had a five point uh, week with within three games. Um, just playing really well with that Saginaw team. I mean, he really went off with them as we all know from the beginning and you know kind of ebbs and flows again but the overall has had a really good season with Saginaw and then the KHL playoffs are going on right now all four of our prospects over there are playing in it um, as we sit right now year of for the most part is getting like three minutes a game he had I believe 12 minutes or so in game three. The series is tied at two and uh, really hoping that. they won that... game three, right? 
What's that? Did they win game three? Yeah, and I think they lost like four nothing today. So hmm. or yeah. Hmm. So I How believe the series tied it too. Hmm. So hopefully <laughs> season's over soon and he can win the game. Weird how yeah. that works. <laughs> um SK, who's Nadine? I was playing really well. He has three points in his four games. He only had a few minutes last game. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe they just slid him down the lineup or something. I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch the game, but he's having a really good playoff season so far. Um, not much from uh, Goose Gob. I don't even think he's up with the KHL team right now. And then um, Nestor, uh, first off, sorry, Nestorenko's not ours anymore. Uh, first off... <laughs> <laughs> um, one, one last guy you got to pay attention yeah to. right <laughs> with the trades i was like it's really hard when i have the tabs up like i have like each league the tabs up and i'm going through the teams that i usually go through and it's like oh wait i only have one player on boston college now and then i'm like i don't have to worry about this guy it's just, it's just you get in the flow of things it's hard right. to get out of it but um yeah, the last thing is Iowa. They won yesterday. They're up to a three-game point streak. Rossi had uh, one goal, two assists, just playing really well again. And uh, Iowa, after kind of going on a little bit of a slump, is back up uh, picking up some wins. So good to see them winning again. Absolutely. So, you know, good good stuff overall from the prospects. I think, you know, we've talked about it weekly on this show. Um, we'll see where where Yurov's team goes here the next, you know, waning days. But it does sound like, you know, the organization, the wild organization that is monitoring that situation carefully still sounds like their ideal scenario as he plays another year there. Um, but um, it sounds like they're in, you know, my guess would be contact with his agent on kind of, you know, is he going to resign there? Is he going to play next year? And if not... Um, you know, what can we do to kind of, you know, steer this ship in the right direction? And that, you know, that's still, I think, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule out the potential of him signing his entry level deal after this season's done and potentially coming over to North America. Um, we'll see. Could happen, might not, but, um, you know, definitely something on the radar here as that ice time just continues to kind of sit in the three to five minute range outside of, you know, one every 10 games where all of a right. sudden he plays more than 10. But uh, in my heart, I really want him to sign because, I mean, yeah, they want him. Maybe over there one more year, but do you want to take that chance on one more year of maybe yeah, I'm the same with you. crap? I'm with you. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move in now to the team. Uh, just because I think you know tonight's game is freshest in our head. We, we'll, we'll do opposite what we normally do and almost work backwards um, kind of in the past couple of games, especially since Zeke and I did a show Friday kind of covering what led up to the trade deadline. Um, so tonight they get a really big win against Winnipeg, who I believe is an absolute free fall right now, like 2-7-2 and two or something, I think, in their last 11. Uh, much like the Flames are just absolutely reeling um, right now. And they you know, they played a really good game against the Wild. Um, you know, did everything right tonight they probably should have to get a win. Uh, but Marc-Andre Fleury had other plans for him. Um, makes 46 saves tonight, 22 of which were high danger saves. That is a season high for Wild goaltenders. Previous high, uh, to put this in perspective, was 13 by Gustafson. So nine more high danger saves than usual. Um, you know, Winnipeg had tons of chances all game long. The Wild's five on five game, pretty much non existent. Um, you know, I, I tweeted early on tonight that the Sunquist Goudreau Felino line looked like crap. Um, early in the game, and then also going back to last game, naturally they score twice, um, one from Freddie Goudreau, one from Marcus Foligno, um, two goals on four of their shot attempts uh, in in this one, um, 16 shots against a 21% expected goal to share, but they finish, um, everyone on that line gets a point. So, you know, that was just, just kind of one of those nights. You know, the Wild didn't have their best, but the goaltending bailed them out, um, and they were able just to hold on and cling to that lead in the third period, then Mason Shaw ices it uh, with an empty net goal there late. Um, obviously the biggest story, um, of tonight's game, Kirill Kaprizov late in the third period, um, basically gets tackled by Logan Stanley, who at one point was completely airborne, grabbing on and basically piggybacking Kirill Kaprizov, um, came down awkwardly, uh, Stanley did on Kaprizov's left leg, um, don't want to speculate on what that injury might be, but assuming it's something in the left leg, given he wasn't putting a ton of weight on it, coming off the ice Mm -hmm. was wincing, um, you know, this is a guy who hasn't missed, 
what is, is it just the one game from the Trent Frederick hit to injury yeah, yeah, in his career? And then sat out, you know, one or two games at the end of last season is kind of like don't get hurt before the playoffs. So you know, this is a guy who doesn't miss a lot of games. So when he goes down, leaves the game, you know, obviously some concern. We don't have any update from Everson um, yet. Sounds like he'll be evaluated back in Minnesota tomorrow. Um, so we'll hold our breath there. But um, any other big takeaways from tonight's 4-2 win uh, over the Jets? Uh, I I think that, uh, you know, just like you said, the goaltending continues to be good. And then uh, another thing, the penalty kill also continues to just keep uh, cranking out kill after kill. Uh, I also like that uh, we're getting goals from guys not named Kirill Kaprizov. Like you mentioned, Felino, mm-hmm. Goudreau, Hartman, and Shaw are, you know, guys that maybe have been reeling for parts of the year. And it's good to see them, you know, adding tallies and, and helping us steal a win in a game that maybe we shouldn't have won. Yeah. Zeke? Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, agree with everything you said there, Justin. But, I mean, I think everyone knows the uh, biggest thing tonight, obviously, was, you know, Mark andre Fleur, like, like everyone like I said, the 46 saves, uh, just, you know, really good, especially in the, you know, I don't know if it's maybe that surprising that this game went that way. I mean, you know, it was the second half back to back on the road that, you know, tends to happen. I mean, both yeah. both, after you, know, you was, put up 40 shots and went to overtime the night before and then yeah. had to travel, you know, internationally across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you said, not necessarily surprising the wild came out a little flat, no. maybe a little flatter than you would have hoped, but mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not 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 too surprising. I mean, you know, we saw that when Colorado came here and, and found a way to beat the Wild in a similar fashion about a month ago now. But yeah, no, it was obviously huge after last night. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of weird, but it probably evens it out that uh, you know they should have beaten Calgary last night and they yeah. didn't, and they should have lost tonight and they won. So, in the end of the day, they will still get you know three out of four points the last two games, which is a pretty good and but but yeah no i think there's definitely a goaltender has been the story here uh both games but especially tonight yeah and then i think you know we've we've put a lot of spotlight on philip gustafson and i'm sure we'll, we'll have our annual praise philip gustafson oh, segment yeah. here in a little <laughs> bit but let's show a little bit of love for mark andre Fleury too who um i believe now four straight wins in his last four starts um, in that stretch, he's only allowed five goals. He's rocking a 960 save percentage, a 1.23 goals against average, a 7.78 goal save above expected, um, and a 93.75 high danger percentage, which is astronomically high um, for perspective. I think the league average is more usually around like the 84 to 85% range, if I recall correctly, um, 45 mm-hmm. of 48. Um, high changer saves and like we mentioned earlier 22 of those came uh in tonight's game so he's been great i mean grant you know he's gotten you know a couple softer games i guess you could say in in columbus twice vancouver and winnipeg but um you know that first game against columbus was not a great effort by the wild you know he had to make 30 saves in that one 3.36 goal save above expected and then obviously tonight uh 46 saves 2.51 goal save above expected so you know he he's come up big, and I think you know it, it's it's got to feel good in that wild locker room right now, knowing that you know, hey, whether it's Gust or whether it's Flurry, you know we've got a guy back there who's been stealing some games for us. So he's been mm-hmm. huge, and you know I, I think it's you know we've been you know ever since that Colorado um, disaster, he's bounced back really good and played really really well since that game. For sure. Yeah, I I also really <clears throat> I, I want to bring this up too. I, I really like how we're playing, uh, especially you know. 18 games from or roughly 18 games until the playoffs start. Cause last year you saw, you saw this team get down by a couple goals, have to come back, score all those extra man goals. And, you know, while we're not scoring the goals we did last year, we're winning it with a strong defense, special teams and goaltending. And um, I know this is just kind of going off a tangent a little bit, but uh, I just, I think we're built better for the playoffs this year, even without, uh, you know, the extra scoring, just the way we're playing. I, I don't disagree. Um, and I think if you look at, you know, the core reason, you know, I think it maybe boils down to two things that the Wild lost that playoff series last year. The Blues, one was an abysmal penalty kill and power play. Um, but, you know, that game one, I think St. Louis scored three times in the power play in that one. Um, you know, Fleury was not at his best in that series either. Um, the power play couldn't get anything going. Um, it was basically, I think, Kirill Kaprizov and Jules Eriksson or might have been the only forwards that scored. There might have been one other one by one other forward, but I think <laughs> almost all the scoring was by those two players. So while well, that maybe, you know, has the potential not to change, but 
Yeah, I, I agree, Justin. I think, you know, this style of hockey where, you know, it's a really heavy physical games, you know, outside of tonight, suffocating defensively, um, good goaltending and, you know, the power play, albeit has sputtered a little bit as of late, seeming like, you know, it's taking John Klingberg a little bit and, you know, the other forwards out there to kind of assimilate to having a new QB out there. Um, I expect that'll rectify itself um, here once they just have some more time together, hopefully. Um, but, you know, like you said, penalty kill, it's been phenomenal. Goaltending's been phenomenal. Their 5v5 play throw tonight's game out over this stretch <clears throat> and a couple other hiccups here and there overall has been very, very good as well. So, yeah, I agree yeah. 100% that this is a team that just stylistically feels better suited for, for a playoff series. And I think you look at the deadline acquisitions and you know, Bill Guerin's goal was, you know, I need to make this team tougher to play against, added some size, you know, added guys that can help special teams. Um, you know, there were some pointed efforts here to kind of change, I think, a little bit of the brand of hockey that this team plays from, you know, in, in, in comparison to the fire wagon team that we saw at times last year. Yeah. And I mean, I think you, you've seen it for about a month now. that have really bought into that, uh, identity whereas you know the first month or two of the season a little bit in there and they're struggling there were still a lot of the guys you know you know not named Kaprizov and Zuckerell that were trying to you know maybe score a little bit much and play the more flashy skilled game but you know like you guys said they really bought into you know what they got to do to win and you know I know they said basically we're very comfortable pretty much in any situation you know even if it's zero zero basically the whole game going to the third period uh you know, even if it's not, you know, we'll admit it's not the most uh, fun thing for the fans to watch, you know, mostly because it's like, oh. Uh, Jacques Lemaire's not... loving it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <I'm sure> he is, <laughs> he is just is. punching air in victory somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's one more thing I would like to add to, especially with this Winnipeg game. And, you know, maybe it was just because we faced so many shots, but I feel like we've been lo blocking a lot of shots lately. And I had to look, and tonight we had 25 blocks to their five. So another thing that's, uh, you know, helping us out mm -hmm. and keep those um, goals against low is just guys' willingness to block shots and, and do what they have to do to win. Yep. Um, and one more thing, too, and this has just been something, you know, kind of related to this conversation that's been in my head is part of me wonders if a reason, you know, we've seen this team partially go on a run and maybe what's, you know, despite the lack of scoring, I think you've seen more confidence in some of the forwards. And part of me wonders if, you know, Zeke, you were kind of alluding to this, is it, it seems like they're bought into this play style. You know, I think there may have been a time, you know, when they were kind of on that skid um, you know, kind of headed toward the trade deadline to the point of, all right, do we sell, you know, wh who are the Minnesota Wild? I think a lot of guys maybe felt the pressure of, you know, hey, we're not scoring a lot of goals every night. You know, I, I was documenting the amount of 5v5 goals they were scoring every night. And I think, and part of me wonders, like, in their head, like, hey, we have to score five on five goals or we can't win. And then all of a sudden, I mm -hmm. think maybe there's the shift to, well, we could, the other way we can win, and this was talked about coming into the season by Dean Evison and Bill Guerin is, you know, how are you going to fix, you know, your the, the exit and goals from Kevin Fiala? It's like, we're going to give up less. And it really felt like the team has kind of grabbed onto that a little bit and maybe playing more confidence. And, hey, if we have to win a game one to nothing, two to one, we're okay with that, right? You know, it doesn't seem mm -hmm. like it's a bunch of guys gripping their sticks as tightly, you know, worried about scoring goals. And, you know, now we've seen over these last couple games, you know, Marcus Foligno back on the board. Matt Boldy had a big, you know, had a goal the other night. Jewel Erickson Eck back on the board. Kaprizov still producing. Hartman, I think, now is like – four in his last eight um yeah. you know jake middleton picked up two assists tonight you know we saw oscar sunquist has come in picked up two assists already so i, I part of me wonders and you know totally speculatively speaking but i just wonder if there's maybe been a shift in mindset with the players in, in terms of buying into this system and you know coming to terms with the fact that hey we we can't win a game you know five to one and that's okay we're, we're comfortable you know playing a, a physical tight defensive game yeah, no, for, uh, for sure. And it's, you know, the, you know, you do wonder if that's going to be uh, sustainable the rest of the year and even into a potential playoff series. But, you know, like, like Justin did mention, you know, that, uh, I mean, you know, they don't really have a choice, I suppose, just because, you know, they don't have the talent, but, you know, like you guys are talking about that has, does have a history of working. So, you know, hope they can, uh, you know, not keep that up and not get, uh, don't burn themselves out here uh, with about a month left. Yeah, and then revisiting the other two games here, we can kind of sort of talk about them together here because there's not a whole lot to digest from from last night's yeah. game. Um, Tuesday's game against the Calgary Flames, the Wild lose one to nothing. 
uh, via the shootout, thought they had the overtime winner, was called offside, and you know, as it's been explained, I guess it's offside, but um, still, you know, to me, kind of a gray area, I guess, on what or what isn't possession. I, I think I'm more in the Felino boat that if you're making the pass and it's tape to tape, that seems like possession to me versus carrying that puck completely over the blue line. Um, but that aside, I mean, that was a game the Wild, you know, kind of played the, the Winnipeg Jet. Winnipeg Jets roll from tonight. 40 shots to Calgary's 26, 17 to 8 in high danger chances. Finished this game uh, per natural stat trick with 4.31 um, expected goals. So doing all of the right things. Um, you know, I thought the Wild had tons of chances all game. Jacob Markstrom had some unbelievable saves in that one, stole that game for the Flames. But, you know, they came out with the loss in that one, but ultimately, I mean, you know, we would have liked to see him finish on a couple of those chances. But, you know, when a goalie has the night like Markstrom had, not a whole lot. Uh, you can do about it um, and to get the point I think was was still huge yeah no it was uh it was yeah no it was, it was good to get the point it wasn't like they played bad or anything it's just uh you know obviously very frustrating to kind of kick the crap out of a team for most 60 minutes like that and you know still 65 minutes 65 <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> even more and you know still especially going off the high of thinking like like Brett mentioned thinking you won the game in overtime to no, you didn't. And then, you know, being with the loss there a couple minutes later was, you know, it is not very fun. But, yeah, no, they just uh, just really couldn't score. I mean, I think, you know, they were 0 for 4 or something like that. Maybe on the power play, too, was definitely a factor. Maybe an 0 for couldn't 5. Get... 0 for 5, yeah. yeah, I have it up oh, right here in front of me. <clears throat> so they couldn't, you know, couldn't get that going, which is obviously, if you go 0 for 5, you know, Brett mentioned with their struggles in the power play, kind of what led to their demise in the playoffs, that can hurt you all the time but yeah no they just couldn't score i mean they had that stretch in the third period there where i think it was i can't remember who was the first one but you know spurgeon got robbed on a backdoor one and then reeves you know just kind of missed or got robbed again about a minute later right on a nice feed from connor dewar and it's just like yeah it's you know this just wasn't their night obviously and uh, you know it was a, just got goalie pretty much in the truest sense of the word so um, you know, and that was the second of two straight games against the Flames. Philip Gustafson, you know, still credit with a shutout despite it being a loss. Um, but he's now up to, I think it's, uh, I have the tweet somewhere. Um, he has back-to-back shutouts now, both against the Flames. But if you go back to, um, the Islanders game, he gave up that goal, I think it was with 14 minutes. And so I think mm-hmm. the goal was 14 minutes, 15 seconds into the period, which I think he's on, I think his streak is 175 minutes and 45 seconds, I believe, since he's allowed a goal. Um, so j- just phenomenal. And you look back at, you know, uh, the, the game previously against the Flames, uh, Wild win 3-0 on that one. Gustafson, uh, 30, 31 saves in that one. Um, that game a little bit tighter. Shots 32-31 in favor of the Wild. Both teams <coughs> attempt 63 shots. The Wild getting a little bit more of the quality with 15 high danger chances to Calgary's 9. Uh, 3.16 expected goals to Calgary's 2.45. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, kind of the big thing, a monkey off the back. Matt Boldy finally finds the back of a net. Also picked up an assist in this one. Jewel Erickson a goal and an assist. And then Marcus Foligno also kind of getting that monkey off the back as well. Getting a goal um, you know, on kind of a ping pong play. Um, but again, I think another game, you know, the wild, the comfortable kind of start to finish. They were, you know, Calgary has been a team that has dominated possession much of the season. Um, yeah. they did, you know, I got to give them credit. I think that was one of the worst games I've seen Kaprizov play in a wild uniform. Um, in my PCS model, he graded out as the, as the worst forward on the team, which I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I think that was the first time this season that's happened. So, you know, they, they took the, the first line completely out of it, but, um, the middle six really stepped up delivering, you know, all three goals um, yeah. in this one. And, you know, huge to see Boldy and Eck, you know, find some even strength offense. Um, and then as well, you know, that was it was a great debut for, for Klingberg and Merrill, who since that game have been quite as good, um, but were, they were a plus three in that one, 64% of the expected goals in that one as well. So it was definitely encouraging to see, all right, it can be done. Um, when deployed in the right way. But um, the other thing from this one, and I thought Sam Steele played an excellent game. You know, you look at a guy who probably knows he's, when it went healthy, the 15th guy 
on the offensive depth chart, comes in, picks up an assist, and I thought overall, just beyond that, had a noticeable game, um, you know, playing a little bit of fire, and obviously came back out of the lineup for these next couple games, but I think to step in after, however, I don't know how many games have been since he last played, I think it was nearing double digits, but to come in and have an impactful game like he did was, was a really, was a big testament, I think, to his character too, to, to get back in there, not hang his head, and, and make an impact knowing full well he might be out of the lineup as soon as Sunquist was able to make it back to, to Minnesota. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think uh, you know uh, there was especially the uh, the the play on the camera. If it was the Felino or Boldy goal, I think it was the Felino goal. Where yeah, he, I, I think it was out. the Felino goal. Yeah, we just you know, like you mentioned, he was just uh, it was kind of that whole game, just battling physically, got into the corner, just kind of made a nice setting pass. You know, wasn't obviously the prettiest pass, but paid the price, got the puck to the front of the net, and led to kind of a greasy goal, which which at that point was the uh, the insurance market to give up 2-1. So, yeah, no, that was great to see uh, from him. Obviously, you know, when he had played last, it hadn't been too great. He hadn't looked too great. But, you know, obviously anybody, it's maybe not too surprising, you know, when potentially spotting lineups in the line that he comes in and plays well. But, again, it's a good reminder, of the, you know, with all these trades that, they still have a lot of NHL depth and, you know, a guy like Sam Steele, even if he's not playing every night, if he can come in every once in a while or even for a few games in a row and play like that, uh, you know, it's a really big bonus for this team. And, uh, but yeah, no, I think you know, that basically everyone on the team was great that night uh, for the most part, just uh, pretty much typical of every game of late, just locked down, not really give the other guys much of anything. Yeah, I, I don't have much to add, but it, it was great to see guys like Boldy score again. I think he had gone quite a bit of games without scoring before that one. Yeah. Um, looking now, three, four. Like 16 games without scoring before that. So it was it was great to see him get another goal and then you know hopefully open the floodgates for him. Uh, yeah, not much to add. Uh, just another great game by Gustafson, another great special teams game, and, and just, uh, you know, finding ways to win yeah Gustafson just great 6-0-3 in his last 10 games now two shutouts uh just I think it's eight goals against uh in that span 960 save percentage 13 goals save above expected 62 out of 69 on high danger chances like I mentioned hasn't allowed a goal in his last 175 minutes and 45 seconds uh that he's been on the ice so just spectacular him and Flurry just both mm-hmm. cooking right now um on the year Gustafson um, second in save percentage, second in goals against, fourth in goal save above expected, fifth in high danger percentage, 14th in win percentage, and tied for third uh, in shutouts. I mean, he's just been everything the Wild could have hoped for and more. Um, but we, you know, exhaust ourselves talking about Gustafson. But there's your weekly Gustafson is amazing yeah. update. Um, the next thing I did just kind of want to get into a little bit, um, you know, we now have had a little bit of sample size here to see kind of how these players that have, you know, the Wild have acquired the deadline kind of fit in. Um, we can start with Marcus Johansson, who we've seen in the most of the games. Um, been slotted in alongside Matt Boldy and Joel Eriksson Ek. Um, I admittedly was not a fan of the move at all when it was made. Um, you know, throw tonight's game out where the entire offense kind of was, was shit. Um, he's, I, I thought he's looked really good um, on that line despite, you know, tonight's kind of shitty performance across these these three's first four games, uh, when all three have been on the ice together at five on fives, so that's across uh, 36 and a half minutes. Uh, they're out attempting opponents 43 to 30. That's a 58.9% uh, Corsi. Uh, they're out shooting other teams 29 to 15, so nearly two to one. Um, just had the one goal to show for it with all three on the ice. Um, but also rocking a 71% expected goal share. That was sitting at 80% coming into tonight's game. So um, 12 to 4 on high danger chances as well. So um, they've looked really good. It's He's definitely kind of brought the spark, I think, that that line has seemingly been missing. Um, and part of me almost wonders, and I'm not going to, this is not me comparing Marcus Johansson to Kevin Fiala, um, but more the element I think that made Fiala. Um, and Boldy work was that Fiala was, it was oftentimes that puck carrier bringing the speed in the neutral zone to kind of establish that zone time. And I think we've seen a lot of that with Johansson and his willingness to carry the puck using his speed to kind of start that zone time. And then Boldy and Eck can kind of be the ones to bang down low um, on the forecheck. And it seemingly helped that line a lot. Again, not their greatest effort tonight, but overall I've been really impressed with 
what Johansson has brought. And if this continues, um, I think this could look, you know, as a, as a pretty savvy move and give you options come playoff time when, when Gus Nyquist is ready to enter the lineup as well. Yeah, I, I, I admittedly wasn't excited either, but then I sat back and thought, Oh, I mean, it was a COVID season. He had a couple injuries, and yeah, I mean, he's he's been tremendous so far. You can definitely see his speed. He he's good on both sides of the puck, and uh, some of the back checks that that he's made have have been good too. It's just that line looks different, and we even saw like that game where I thought Johansson had scored. It was actually Eck that got the tip. Like it's helping them get some added scoring too, a little bit here and there. Boldy scored again. I can't remember if he was on the ice with them for it, but. Uh, no, that line definitely looks has been a pretty fun line to watch with that added speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, he's obviously, like like Brett said, no one's going to be Kevin Fiala, but, you know, like a lot of the trades, the kind of the, I guess, objective was just to add in a little bit more depth and skill and make the team deeper and, you know, like you said, hopefully help uh, that line out and maybe give them a little bit more of a, another scoring line with those two guys. And yeah, no, he's definitely been, uh, you know, like like you mentioned, Justin, with the injuries last time around, and and all the other stuff potentially affecting his play. I think it's obvious that you know right now that he's healthy, and uh, you know even if he's not scoring a ton of goals, you know, like Brett had mentioned with the speed and the skating ability and being able to play with the puck, actually, you know, even if he doesn't score a lot, if he can do that, you know, it's at least a at least a good fit, and he's you know at least competent enough to to consistently play on that line and, and be in that role. Yeah, and then I think the other piece too, I mean, Marcus Johansson has seemingly fit nice sim- uh, system-wise into the penalty kill too. Um, mm-hmm. Has been on the ice for about four minutes of PK time. Other teams, uh, you know, obviously haven't scored with how good the penalty kill's been. Uh, but just .22 expected goals against um, in that frame as well, which for four minutes while down a man is, is pretty darn good. Um, so, you know, has been an effective piece there um as well so fitting in nicely um you know i don't really have too many negative things to say at this point um you know it seems everything that line is doing points in the direction that the goals are going to come um Mm -hmm. and hopefully maybe you know as they maybe will have to potentially lean on this line with a caprisoff injury um in a softer part of the schedule coming up here with three non-playoff teams on this upcoming road trip you know maybe that line if we'll see if they stay together um, potentially here or not, but if they do, you know, maybe it's a chance to kind of build on, you know, what they've started here over these first four games um, and find the back line a couple more times. Um, next player we'll talk about, John Klingberg. Um, you know, the player I was not initially upset that the Wild acquired, but just was most like, all right, really interested to see, you know, kind of how this experiment goes. Um, as I mentioned, started off great um, in that first game against Calgary. They went 3 nothing. that Merrill Klingberg pair um, on the ice for all three goals. Was it because of anything those two did? I don't think necessarily. Um, but he did finish, the, you know, that pairing did finish that game with, you know, a expected goal share over 60%, which I looked it up. I think uh, Klingberg had hit that number twice um, the entire season, one of the times um, against the Wild. Um, so, you know, I, I was skeptical uh, if, if that pairing would work. And, you know, I think they've had some ups and downs here and, you know, obviously, I don't think Klingberg, as I mentioned, has assimilated very well into the power play um, as of yet. Um, but, you know, I think we've seen, you know, some of the, the, the calmness, obviously, a, a bigger body back there has been nice to see. Um, does, you know, definitely has some ability to move the puck up the ice, a good skater. Um, you know, some tendency, I think, to turn the puck over and stuff at times still. But, you know, I'm willing to kind of give him a little bit of a leash here as he, you know, adjusts to a, a brand new system from, you know, one of the worst defensive teams in the league, the best defensive teams in the league and a brand new partner, brand new systems, brand new power plays. So, I mean, g- given the situations, I think overall, I, I you know I haven't been wowed, but I haven't been, you know, as disappointed as I thought I potentially could be. So far, so good, I think, is kind of the stance I'm willing to take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I uh, pretty much agree with that. You know, like you said, I think the biggest thing with him that I've noticed is, you know, that he's just can skate with the puck pretty well, bring it into the offensive zone. You know, obviously they didn't really score on the power plays, but a lot of times he was actually the guy bringing it uh, into the ozone and, and trying to set up plays. So, you know, obviously that's what he's there to do. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Brett, hopefully just he's obviously going to get some time to work out the, the kinks and, you know, hopefully improve. But, you know, it hasn't been horrible either. I mean, last night against Calgary, he, you know, it was kind of 
so 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 not particularly good not particularly bad but he hasn't uh, had any particularly you know awful defensive turnovers or anything like that and he hasn't you know, <laughs> yeah and the, and the one he did have uh last game he then uh skated another player to draw an interference penalty yeah <laughs> following that turnover so, so. So yeah, big so big that, brain play. Big brain that hasn't play. been uh, hasn't been Anaheim bad yet. So. Yeah, no, I I haven't disliked his game. I mean, you can see the willingness for him to shoot. He's always looking, you know, for an opportunity to shoot the puck too, which uh, we saw with him when he was in Dallas, uh, just cranking off goals on the power play and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can see the element he brings, and as you guys mentioned, the power play hasn't looked good, but also he's playing with guys outside of Zuccarillo in Dallas that he's never played with before, and it's only three games. So it's, it's going to take time to get that chemistry. We've seen in the past how he can quarterback a power play. So um, hopefully just with a little bit of time with these guys, he can develop the same thing and, and add some more scoring punch to a lineup that doesn't score very much. Yeah, for sure. So... I think the one notable thing that we've seen so far, um, you know, I didn't expect them to necessarily throw the defensive pairings in a blender, um, but you know, I think we're seeing some trust in putting him and him and Merrill together. Zeke, I know you and I speculated in our mm-hmm. reaction show that maybe that's where he would start and that they'd slide him in with Brodeen um, when when Brodeen comes back. But I do wonder now that they've had you know success with um, you know. Well, tonight wasn't great. That pairing had a 23% expected goal share, the worst of any pairing on the team tonight. But, um, you know, I do wonder if they've maybe, you know, want to let those two continue to build chemistry and we'll just insert Brodeen back with Dumba, um, at least to start. And if, you know, all of a sudden Merrill and Klingberg start to kind of get caved in again and again, maybe we do see Brodeen and Klingberg, you know, paired up. But I, I would say for the foreseeable future, my gut says is they're going to try to run with that. And they started with that pair intentionally to maybe hopefully let them build some chemistry and familiarity. Um, but, you know, not something I think you and I had kind of expected, but, um, no. you know, maybe the way things are trending now. Well, I mean, especially because, uh, you know, it doesn't – I don't think Brodin has started skating yet. So, you know, who knows like how long. he might he... this week, I think, which is oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, obviously you don't want to – Russian back either so you know mm-hmm. but you know that's not you know we were talking about having issues getting used to the team and all that you know maybe that's not such a bad thing uh, for those guys to stay together for sure awesome and then the final player um that's played a game since being acquired Oscar Sundquist didn't get a play in that first game against Calgary as you mentioned some travel issues coming out of Detroit due to weather um but got a slot in the second game against the Flames and then uh tonight against the um, against the Jets, um, you know, that, that line, as I mentioned, struggled a little bit. They weren't terrific, uh, the, you know, last night in Calgary. I didn't think they were great tonight necessarily holistically, um, but, you know, they got two rushes up the ice where, you know, he's a big part of that, I believe, picking up the primary assist on both Goudreau's goal and Felino's goal um, tonight. So, you know, picks up some big assists, um, took two penalties tonight, um, you know, but, uh, you know, both on plays where he's kind of battling, um, you know, one of them, uh, I think it was, uh, did he get a hooking, I think? And yeah, I think that's right. the other one. Um, I don't know. Uh, but you know, <laughs> battle plays, you know, I don't necessarily think they were lazy plays or anything, but you know, so far from it's two games, but you know what, 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 what I've seen is, you know, a player kind of what we expect, you know, a player maybe similar to Jordan Greenway, big guy, physical guy, guy that likes to compete bottom, you know, prototypical bottom six player, you know, the, the two points, you know, regardless of the rest of the game, you know, that line gave up one goal, but they scored two. Uh, ultimately, you know, the rest mm-hmm. of the analytics, you can kind of check out the window because ultimately they figured out a way to get the job done. Um, and I think too, again, I think as these three have a chance to hopefully, you know, Felino's been banged up in the lineup. Goudreau at this point has had just a wide rotating cast of line mates for the past month as they've tried to kind of stabilize the top six. So hopefully, you know, those three can get some time to run together here, uh, build that chemistry. But, you know, overall he's come as advertised so far that the, the two assists are, you know, a, gr- a great sign. And, um, you know, hopefully they can build off, you know, tonight's, you know, offensive performance and, you know, hopefully, you know, also build on that defense as well and, you know, create a, a third checking line with the ability to potentially pop some goals in too. Yeah, I feel like between all the guys, I've, I've noticed him the least. Um, Which isn't always a bad thing. No, it's not. Uh, that means for a he, bottom six guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I just I haven't noticed his game much. Uh, I don't have much to add to that. I just you know wait to see what kind of chemistry he builds with that line too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, may take some time, but uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, just as expected and and what we were you know what we were thinking we were getting. So uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add with Sunquist. Just thought I'd say <laughs> I haven't noticed him very much for some reason. I am mm-hmm. still curious where Brandon Duhame fits in when he comes back because I think prior to getting hurt, I thought he was playing really well at a level that I don't think you know was suited for the fourth line, a guy that was bringing speed, energy. Uh, but all of a sudden, now you've got Marcus Foligno with goals in back-to-back games. You know, obviously, it's not going to be Freddie Goudreau you know, coming out of, out of the center position. Um, I mean, moving to the fourth line, you know, that's not happening. Um, but you, know, you did spend assets to bring in Sunquist. Um, it sounds like Peruso that Mason Shaw will likely be the guy that comes out of the lineup. So I think it really comes down to, but you know, Sunquist and Duhame. You know, is it going to be Sunquist down to the fourth line? I don't know. Is it going to be, you know, again, I, I just like what Duhame brings. I think him and Goudreau had some really nice chemistry as well. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to see. It sounds like Duhame maybe potentially getting closer to a return, um, but we'll see um, kind of how that all plays out too. But um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's like you said, it's interesting, uh, you know, don't know exactly uh, where I think wasn't, uh, was Duhame, was he on the third line? when Yeah, he was, he was playing with Goudreau and Greenway. And Greenway, okay. Yeah, and I, if I remember right, they were doing fairly well, actually, so, yep. you know, like, no, I agree, I think he'll, it, it'll be good to get him back, he's just another guy who looked, you know, was just skating fast, playing really hard, and, you know, that's the one thing, you know, with the Sunquist, obviously, you know, you know, first thing is you know how big he is at six three but seems to be a fairly decent skater and able to move around maybe a little bit better than greenway did so you know hopefully you know like i said they can uh, mesh together and and kind of just be a pain in the ass to play against and it, it could be i mean i guess i wouldn't rule out felino being bumped down either i think that maybe was even more likely prior to those little point streak he's on now with three mm-hmm. points in his last uh, i guess it'd be three games um but we'll see. Not a bad problem to have if you have to have Brandon Duhame, Marcus Lino, or Oscar Sundquist on your fourth line. That's you know not the worst, not the worst problem to have. So, um, any other kind of takeaways from? I know Justin, you didn't have a chance to pop in on the trade deadline um, at all. So you know, do you have any you know thoughts you wanted to kind of chime in on um, at all, or or anything you know Zeke on your end too? Just kind of from this in these last three games of the Wild, have rattled off you know two more wins and another and an overtime loss as well. Or shootout loss, I guess. Honestly, no. I I listened to the whole show. Uh, I usually don't go back and listen because I don't like my own voice. But uh, well, you don't have to. You didn't have to listen to your own voice. <clears throat> exactly. I didn't have to listen to my voice. So I want to hear what you guys had to say. I mean, you guys covered it well. Uh, there's not a whole lot really left to cover. I was just. Um, I will say that uh, most of them were unexpected. I think yeah. you guys too. Um, I think the most expected one was the Greenway one. We knew he was going to be gone at least by the off season, but uh, you know it all all happened pretty quickly. I was at work actually when all of it happened. I was just like, I knew we were going to do an emergency podcast, and I, I I sucked that I missed it. But I actually had a date with the wife for the first time in forever. Uh, but anyway, your, your priorities like, are in the right place. Yeah, <laughs> they are. I got, I got. Yeah, she lets me do this quite a bit. So. <laughs> But no, it was it all happened so fast. I was at work. I was like, "Holy crap! Am I gonna keep tabs with all this and then be able to do the emergency podcast?" Like, I'm gonna have to digest it while we're talking. It was, it was just a uh, ended up being a pretty fun deadline. You know, I didn't think we we're gonna big ass big end pieces with without the big asses being given up. But I'm happy with the pieces mm-hmm. that we did get and how they've performed so far. Yeah, no, uh, you know, not much, uh, not much else uh, to add for me, I guess, aside from, you know, like we talked about earlier, they just, uh, you know, as we said, they've really just kind of bought into how they want to play uh, as a team, and you know, it's kind of been everybody. There's not been, for the most part, a single stray person just uh, doing their own thing, and obviously they've been playing really well, getting great goaltending, as we said, and uh, you know, obviously just. I hope that continues and uh, just hope and pray that Kirill is not hurt as bad as we might think he is right now. So, yeah, and you know, not the main thing. Yeah, and you know, the Wild have gone, you know, three games now where they've gone 2 0 and 1, have scored six times 
or seven times, and Kirill Kaprizov has not factored in, I don't think, on a single one of those seven goals, which, you know, is, is a good thing. You know, he was carrying this offense for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to – I'll frame it this way. It's never a good thing to have Kaprizov not in your lineup. But if there was ever a, a stretch of the season where, you know, maybe it's okay to have Kaprizov miss a couple times, I, I definitely think it's this upcoming stretch. I mean, you look at the yeah. wild schedule coming up. They now have two days off. Um, and then have back-to-backs against the Sharks and the Coyotes, who obviously are teams that are you know in the tank for Bedard. They then have two days off again and are playing St. Louis, who sold the deadline, and then have two more days off um, before you know the it picks up again with games back-to-back against Boston and Washington, a day off, and then New Jersey. So you know maybe it'd be you know we don't again we don't know the severity of the injury yet, but you know he might have not you know if he misses these next three games against lower-tier opponents. Um, and then in there has six non-game days. Um, you know, that's not the worst thing, you know, for him to, to mm-hmm. maybe miss this stretch. Obviously, we hope he doesn't have to miss any time. Um, but if he does, you know, maybe not the worst time here to hopefully get healthy um, before the season wraps up on April yes. 13th. So, Right. And, you know, maybe I'm just reiterating, but in a time where we're, you know, we've – and nothing's set, but we've placed ourselves pretty well in the standings too where – you know, we could lose a couple of games. We could probably afford to do that. We don't want to do that, but um, yeah, it, it's better now if he is hurt to miss games. Be then, you know, maybe right before the playoffs or something, and he goes into the playoffs limping or something. But yeah, really hoping that uh, it's nothing that he has to miss a whole lot of time or not, no time at all. Yeah, and crazy enough, if I'm reading the schedule right, the Wild only have two more games against playoff hopeful division teams Colorado on April 29th and then Winnipeg the second to last game of the season last home game of the season on April 11th so other ones you know that except they have Arizona St. Louis Chicago Chicago's twice Um, they have two left against Vegas which should be a good test two left against St. Louis so you know um, have th- thankfully played, you know, most of those important division games. Obviously, the ones at Colorado, you know, could have important implications for potentially a division lead or home ice. Um, as we'll see how things shake out here. But you know, the, the the top three maybe seem to start taking shape with Minnesota, Dallas, and Colorado. Uh, but again, anything can change, especially you know if this Caprice off mm-hmm. ends up being serious. Um, you know, maybe is, is it a chance for a Matt Boldy to step up or somebody else? You know, hard, hard to know for sure, but. Again, our, our f- fingers crossed there, and that it's not. Hopefully, it's not something long term. Um, yeah. But we'll see. It, d- it didn't look great watching it live, but. No, certainly did not. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts, topics you guys want to hit on here before we uh, before we wrap things up? Uh, not nothing for me. I don't think. I think got it. Yeah, no, no, off the top of my head, I just hope everyone's enjoying the state tournament because uh we're just getting started with it so uh, yeah best mm-hmm. time of the year right now yeah class a um semifinals were today or quarterfinals were today hermantown warroad matamidi were the three winners and i think as we speak still uh north no. or no, yeah northfield and orono right yeah they're tied at one right now with 345 left in the third yeah, so, you know, a race to the finish in that one. And then, uh, of course, double A starts probably by the time you're listening to this tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Um, and then all the hockey that you'll see live on TV from there on out is usually pretty darn good hockey. Um, I believe the NCHC conference tournament starts this week, right? Yeah, and the Hockey East one's going on started today as well. So CCHA started theirs last weekend. Obviously, you know, kind of pulling for our Minnesota, all of our Minnesota teams to hopefully make a push mm-hmm. there. Although, um, is it Duluth against St. Cloud this weekend? Okay, I know they played last weekend. Yeah, uh, they, they are this weekend. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, a rematch. rematch. It was a really tight, you know, really tight series last weekend. So Mankato knocked off Lake Superior. Um and then I don't know is the big I would assume the Big Ten tournament's probably starting this weekend too, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it yeah. already started. But do the Gophers? Do we know the Gophers? I don't I don't follow the Gophers that much. So do they play this weekend in their tournament? Or no, by no, they they at least they don't start till. Uh, okay. I mean, there was I think they got the bye is what yeah. going on because okay. they were the number one seed. So yeah, got it. So. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, lots of hockey coming up to watch. March Madness for basketball, if that's your thing, I think is around the corner as well. So, you know, good time of year to be a sports fan. Lots of stuff to watch, monitor, pay attention to. Uh, as I mentioned, the Wild upcoming, two days off before they're back in action. Um, out west in San Jose, a nice 9.30 start for you on Saturday night, uh, followed by an 8.30 game against the uh, Coyotes on Sunday night, and then another 8.30 start next Wednesday against St. Louis, which means we will hopefully uh, record for you. We'll, we'll see either it be Tuesday or Thursday of next week, um, depending on schedules. Um, but either, you know, three or four games to talk about, or two or three games to talk about, depending on the night that we choose. So, um, you know, we'll work to get back to you with you here in the next week or so. But, you know, some winnable games coming up. The Wild in a great spot, you know, showing no signs of slowing down with the suffocating defense that they're playing, the great goaltending. I guess mm-hmm. my final thought that I'll bring here, and I maybe had brought this up on the tail end of our reaction show, Zeke, is just how good Jake Middleton, Jared Spurgeon have been playing. Uh, now up to 11 games uh, where this is including the penalty kill, all situations. So whenever those two have been on the ice together at any point, uh, opponents have gone 11 straight games without um, scoring on that pairing, which is just absurd. Wow. Um, and across that at five on five, I think it's something. I think that total time on ice is, I think, about 200 minutes, all situations. 175 of that has been at five on five, um, at, at which point they are outscoring opponents nine to zero. I think their uh, shot attempt share is around 50%. Expected goal share um, is sitting around 58%. Um, and that's getting the hardest matchups every night. Um, you know, they're seeing the team's top lines, and they are delivering. It's been unbelievable what those two have done. Uh, finished, I believe, tonight, despite you know maybe not controlling the play. They finished with uh, as a plus three in this one. Middleton, as I mentioned, picked up two assists. I mean, it's just what they do night in, night out blocking shots, driving play, shutting out top lines. It's just been unbelievable to watch because um, it's two guys that aren't flashy, but they are incredibly smart the way they get into passing lanes, the way they block shots, the way they move the puck up the ice, j- just to treat. So if you haven't been paying attention to those two, um, just just keep an eye on them because they've been, they've been awesome. Absolutely. All right, well, that'll about wrap things up here. So, Justin, we'll throw it over to you. Um reminding everyone where they can find you and all of your work. Uh, you can find me at DAce2004. You can find me at CapriceOfC with the CapriceOf Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, capital Z and capital B. And if you want to connect with me at all, that's where you'll find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're all following the podcast account as well at sound the foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram wild, uh, four game road trip or excuse me, three game road trip beginning Saturday, uh, or continuing the road trip. It is a four game road trip, three games left on the road trip san jose saturday arizona sunday st louis wednesday we will be back with you either tuesday or thursday around that st louis game uh hopefully at that time a positive update on kirill kaprizov while continuing to be hot 9-0-2 in their last 11 comfortably sitting tied first in the central division we will be back with you to talk more wild hockey next week but until then this has been another episode of 